You are listening to Legion of Substitute Podcasters, episode 645. Legionnaires, number two, in death's grip. Welcome to episode 645 of Legion of Substitute Podcasters. I am Paul French, and today I am Card Deck Kid. Because oh? today we uh, had some some quiet time before the kids got back from uh, their grandmothers, and uh, we played uh, some DC deck building game with the Legion expansion. Oh, I, sweet. I was Lightning Lad, and Jan was Chameleon Boy. And um, we found the uh, the on card powers to be meh, all but useless, um, ah. and um, uh, but but we managed to get through. Uh, uh, quite frankly, she killed me, and uh, <laughs> we ended we ended with a score of ninety nine to seventy eight. And although I got the persuader and the last couple of uh, supervillains, she built up enough of them at the beginning, um, mm-hmm. and she so, got ahead of you there. She did, she did, uh, but good game, good game, and uh, love the uh, the new mechanics that the Legion expansion adds, and just love, uh, you know, seeing those cards pop up in there. It's it's a beautiful thing. That's me. Sweet. Hi, everybody. I am Darren Noel, and tonight I am, I love a good Disney villain theme song, kid. <laughs> I've been living my life. I will not spoil it. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I'm not spoiling it. I'm just saying I've been living my life this weekend. That thing's been on repeat around here a lot. <laughs> I'm finding remixes of it, too, which are pretty amusing. So It's always Darren, isn't it? It's all about Darren. <laughs> Over to you, Travis. <laughs> hey, everybody. I'm Travis Elsor, and this week I am, if it's not one thing, it's the other lad. Mm. Uh so Tuesday, my washing machine died uh, oh. while I was washing some tiles and washcloths and such. And it would fill with water, but it would not spin. And Ooh. If, oh. you, if, you, if you Google tube that, they're all like, hey, <laughs> hey, it's this one little plastic part. There's no big deal. Let's get this YouTube video. None of the YouTube videos match my washing machine at all. Oh, couldn't find it yeah, everywhere. They're like, Hey, there's two screws here. Nope. There's not. Hey, there's a little plastic. Nope. There's nope. not. <laughs> Couldn't find anything. So called a repairman, got him out on Thursday and he opened it up. That's the first thing he thought too. He said, Hey, it's this little, probably this little plastic part. You got it. He said, no, it's not. I went, Oh man. He said, yeah, it's your motor. And that's about $400. So buy a new washing machine. Exactly. That's what he told me. He said, just go buy a new one and get a warranty and you'll be fine. And so Saturday, I went and purchased one. They said it'll be delivered Sunday, probably around noon. <coughs> it got delivered about, they finished up about 15 minutes before we started recording the show, which Ooh. if you don't know, we record the show kind of late at night. Uh, yeah, I didn't think they'd be delivering the installing machines this late, but they sure were. Wow. Uh, anyway, it's going, but that's that's the good thing the 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 other thing is today apparently uh my oven decided it didn't like to get hot anymore and cook oh, anything good lord and that's usually Which, what you want them to do yeah yeah, it, yeah pretty much by design yeah it, 
it gets a little warm. I mean, I stuck my hand in there. I had it at 450 degrees and stuck my hand in, and, you know, it's a little warm, but not not hot, not cooking, not doing anything. So we'll deal with that tomorrow. Yeah, because tomorrow is another day. Mm. Yes. So anyway, that's that that's me for now. Over to you, mm. Michael. Hi, everybody. I'm Michael Grabois, and uh, this week I was a post-apocalyptic living kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, literally. You may, you may remember last week when I said I was polar boy and I was I do not want to build a snowman kid. Uh, and Murray and Paul, close your damn refrigerator and freezer already. Um, that did not work. Elsa took... Uh, Took out her fury on the state of Texas. Let it go, Michael. Let it go. <laughs> yeah. And um, uh, I'm sure that anybody who has access to the news heard what was going on. Oh, yeah. Ba- basically, it was uh, m- there was more demand than predicted, like a record level of winter demand, combined with it being cold enough everywhere across the state that we lost about a third uh, of our power generating capacity. And those two do not go well together, a high demand and a low supply. And so it ended up being uh, rolling blackouts that became days long blackouts. And we live in Texas for a reason. And one of those reasons is so that we don't have to deal with cold weather. Not anymore. It's not. Uh, Well, that's, still why we live here but uh uh it was it was not fun being without power um and then of course the being without power led to pipes freezing Mm -hmm. which when pipes thaw they start to leak and with no power to run the water plants uh we had a boil water advisory but you had no energy really to boil water with unless you were like out back, right? Well, with... unless you had unless you have gas, yeah. Then and your um, your stove tops work with gas. Mm-hmm. You can't boil water on an electric stove if you don't have electricity. Exactly. So. So uh, we, I was only personally without power for about twenty one hours over the course of um, uh, the course of the week, and. It was um, got down to 55 inside the house, but I know people. Uh, my dad had um, he was out for about three days, and it got da- down to the mid 40s inside the house. Mm. And uh, he ended up with a busted line in the uh, kitchen, leading from the um, uh, from the piping into the refrigerator. So fortunately, he was able to cap that off. And, uh, you know, he'll get a replacement line once the demand for plumbers <laughs> goes uh, down, goes yeah. down. Yeah. And it's kind of like the aftermath of a hurricane with loss of power and loss of water. Mm-hmm. But it's cold instead of being hot and humid. So- and and I am uh, if I ever needed a reminder of why I don't like living in the cold. Um, I got one anyway. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, the other thing is it's also a reminder of when you don't have the necessities like power and water, uh, how quickly things devolve into 
you know, what did they do during the 1700s and 1800s mm-hmm. before they had electricity? Yep. They and, hunkered uh, down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what you do. You, speaking of someone who's lived in Atlanta during many an ice storm, when the power goes out for days and there is no, there's no water coming in and you have all electric, you're, you're wearing five oh. layers or more inside the house to stay warm and you're walking around I don't think we had the problem with the water turning off, but we did have the problem with the burst pipe, which that always tended to happen here after the event because things started to warm up and that caused the pipes to burst here. And, um, and this is so. this is where the, you know, when it happens many a time, that's yeah. the time to start for them to start preparing because then it, yes. it's no longer a, wow, this thing never happens here. It is mm-hmm. instead, you know, this, this thing... This thing does happen here occasionally. Yeah, and so we be prepped maybe, we yeah. Should, maybe we should have a backup plan. Maybe. It's a joke about the milk and bread, because... Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Texas's backup plan was uh, prayer. Yeah. Oh, and hope that it doesn't happen again. Yep. Or go to uh, Michael. in the sale. Yes, it is. Deny climate change. Plan number one. The, we, the other backup plan is just go to Cancun. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Go to Cancun. <laughs> uh, so we, we went through this um, 10 years ago, 2011. We had a similar freeze, and everybody decided, um, hey, we need to winterize our equipment because this could happen again. Mm-hmm. And This will electric- all happen before. This will all happen again. Exactly. Except there's no incentive for the power generating companies to spend money on winterizing their equipment um, when it happens so rarely. Yep. So why, why bother spending all that money for something that only happens once every 20 years? Mm-hmm. Because then right. it doesn't happen because again. Because when it happens, yeah. it's a cluster. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the same argument we have here about ice plows and ice salt. It's like, well, you know, it only happens once every, like, ten years. There's a little phrase. It's called, you'd rather have it and not need it uh-huh. than need it and not have it. Exactly. Yep. Completely agree. But that's, that's different. That's a, that's a city. I'm talking about the, the owners of the power-generating yeah. plant who are trying to make a profit by selling electricity. There's no incentive for them to spend money on upgrading the system. Yep. Especially yep. when you can just jack your rates up based on the cost of natural exactly. gas and send it straight to your customers during a, during a weather emergency. Yeah. That whole thing uh, is a nightmare. <laughs> it, it's, we have a lot of strangeness in the South and Texas is its own strangeness. I'm sure Michael, <laughs> yeah. Michael will agree yeah, with no, that. Because te- Texas te- kind of acts like its own country um, in many, many ways in many times. So a, a while back, and I know we're getting off into um, – energy podcast um, the uh, the state is basically an island when it comes to electrical generation there's a an eastern u.s and a western u.s grid and texas and if one part of the country needs power the other part of that grid can send power their way across state lines but texas doesn't have that and because if they did then they would have to have federal regulations related to power crossing state lines which they don't want and of course if you listen to our former governor rick perry who was also the former 
energy secretary under Trump, uh, he actually said Texans would rather go without electricity for days in a blizzard than uh, have federal regulations. And, uh, and he said this from where? Was he in Cancun too? I don't, I don't know where he was. I don't, I don't know where he was, okay. but, but everybody gave him shit for that. Uh, well, as, as rightfully they should. But did, he, did he at least say it where it while he was wearing his smart guy glasses? <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably. Yeah, okay. I want to know who that, whoever that Colorado guy was who said that everyone uh, should just stop being a baby and eat their neighbor's cat. Wow. What? Well, he well he said fend for yourself, which he got, uh, he, got he got a hold of some bad edibles in Colorado. <laughs> no, I think I think it was like Colorado, Texas. Oh, oh yes, Colorado, the uh, oh right, the, the, okay. form, that the former the mayor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, fortunately, um, the weather is back to normal. We were up into the uh, upper sixties today, Woo-hoo. and it's, um, it's all forgotten. Yeah. So, Pretty much it will be until the bills they're, come They're all tanning yeah. right now. I, yeah, I've everybody... seen some of these bills being reported, and they're not pretty because it's all, it's based on pond demand, right? Well, it's, well, the, it's based on the gas price and usage. So those people who didn't lose power, who kept using their power, are getting billed for the higher gas rate during that, the Yeah, what, there, there's a company called Gritty, G-R-I-D-D-Y. <laughs> not to be confused with the, with the, mask, with the hockey mascot. <laughs> yeah, Correct. thank you. <laughs> That's why I spelled it out. There is, um, they sell power at wholesale prices. And if you signed up for them, then you're used to having low power or low, low, um, low bills because the wholesale prices during the summer are not bad. Mm-hmm. But when a third of your grid is offline and the wholesale price spikes up to $9,000 per kilowatt hour or a gigawatt hour or megawatt whatever the whatever the cap is you're going to get charged that and i i don't know what they're going to do for people who have a fifteen thousand dollar electric bill because that's the plan that they signed up for Mm -hmm. they're going to turn them off if they don't pay um i mean that's what happens i mean that, mm, this is such a cluster. It's not even funny. Yeah, basically everyone's being told turn off your automatic payments and wait yeah. until and wait until so, until a class action lawsuit solves <clears throat> this. That's Dang. just funny. Meanwhile, their credit ratings get tanked. And uh, uh, yeah, so so we got power back, we got water back, and uh, no one ate anybody's cat that we know of. No cats were eaten. Um, and except for those people who have busted pipes, the weather and things are back to normal here in Texas. Yeah, you know it's bad when you see icicles on the inside of an apartment building. You know it's bad when the house is on fire across the street. Yeah. Well, that too. Someone tried and to there, warm their house with candles. Mm-hmm. And, there, and then there's no water pressure to fight the fire. Fight the fire. So everything goes up. It, Yeah, cluster. Yeah. A complete cluster F. But again, okay. no cats were, were eaten in the preparation of this podcast. It's true. It's true. I I will say that is likely. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> at least at least not for any of the five of us. I can't guarantee that no cats were eaten um over the duration. Over the duration, yes. So what we're saying is America Horror Story Apocalypse missed its plot line here. <laughs> 
got to Texas with this. So. And so while I was while I was on the uh, on the couch without power this week, I started reading The Stand by Stephen King. Just because, <laughs> nice. Just, just just so I can get a taste of what a real um, uh, pandemic apocalypse is like. There you go. Mm. Looking for tips, right? Uh, yep. How do I survive this? Return to the Book of King. <laughs> <laughs> just about. So uh, that was my excitement. Hopefully, Jim, you were not as exciting this week. Uh, actually, no. Things were pretty calm here. Hi, everyone. I'm Jim Purcell. And I suppose this week I was a uh, game master. Uh, so a couple of months ago, I volunteered to run a role-playing game for a friend of mine and some online people that we rustled up. Uh, so I've been getting prepped to run the game. And uh, it's really hard, guys. Mm. Being G- being GM is a lot more work than I anticipated. It is. It really is. I've been a DM before. It's it's a lot of work. A lot of work. Yeah. Uh, so I've got to I've got to reread a bunch of books that I read like five or six years ago that <laughs> I I thought I understood, but once you actually start doing the prep, you realize you don't really understand it at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, I can get it together because we got a new a session coming up next week, and I really really want to want to nail it. I really don't want to wing it so nice luckily i got the next three days off from work so i got plenty of time yay yay for days off work Woohoo! and so that's it for me all right then let's uh, let's make a move into legion news what do we got crickets dude we got crickets crickets well not entirely crickets we've got uh we got a new issue coming out this week there you go future state number two. Oh yay Hopefully we'll learn something of like significance that will explain the delay of not having a new series. Cause I, I still think the reason we haven't seen anything is because something big's going to happen at the end. Something big and important. <laughs> a crisis if, maybe. Well, mm-hmm. maybe. Maybe. And, and there's um, without giving anything away, there was apparently some sort of significant mention of the Legion in Future State Wonder Woman number right. two. I don't know about significant. It's an interesting thing. It's it's very brief, but uh, oh. it's, it's not. I don't know. What do you think, Travis? You think it's worth spoiling it? You think it's big enough? Uh, sure. I mean, it's it it's was one last page. Week. I mean, if you're a completionist, you're going to get the book anyway. So. Eh, that's true. I mean, Co- cover your ears for cover, one cover minute. Cover your ears for a minute for one. One minute. State. <laughs> Go ahead, Jim. Well, as my understand it is that the uh, the Legion are they appear in a panel and are mentioned as they are the last generation of heroes uh, ever, mm-hmm. and I think that's the major significance of it because the Wonder okay. Woman book I think takes place much further in the future than that. I didn't actually read it. I skimmed it pretty much, so I don't know if uh, you have... I saw the page. They basically say that the Legion were defeated by some dark something, and it shows them floating in some darkness, and that's it. We all float down here. Yeah. Eh. Eh. Uncover your ears. We're back. Going back to the Book of King there. (laughs) How did they know to cover the... (laughs) (laughs) it, it It does sort of imply that Future State is kind of its own little bubble, though, so... Who knows? Wow. Who knows where it's going to shake out? It's all about reading into it, right? So. Right. And that's and dangerous then, uh, business. <laughs> and then supposedly this week also is the uh, 
the new reprint collection uh, Before the Darkness Volume 1, right. which which picks up with um, uh, Legion number 260 with the Space Circus of Death. And choice, choice, 70s. Do, 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 bang, bang. And takes up to... Wait, the Before the Darkness? That came out a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I it, was it, was, it was like I two thought, weeks ago. Yeah, I thought I, it was at the 22nd. I think it was no, a week. I've, I've it was had it. It was, oh. a week, it was the week we were off, I think, so I think we just missed it. Oh, okay. Well, never mind then. Then it's out already. There. Yes, it is. So go, go pick it up. The news go is it, it is still out. It's available. It's yes. still out, yes. Yes. Much like Generalissimo Francisco Franco is still dead. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's been a while since we pulled that one out. I know, All right. right. <laughs> All righty then. Um, so we're getting into, uh, some more Legionnaires. That we are. Let's, uh, let's do that. Michael, take us into it. Uh, all right. So we have Legionnaires number two, cover date, May 1993, uh, on sale, March 16th, 93, uh, cover by Chris Sprouse and Carl Story, features Mano versus... Uh, apparition and then at the bottom we have triad uh, holding the unconscious body of uh, ultra boy and then uh, uh, shrinking violet is there and then off to the uh, right hand side there is a claw the which, claw yes which serious claw which we'll find out next time is uh, this is part of an interconnected cover yes yep and just wondering, what do we think of uh, Chris Sprouse's redesign of Mano? It's a little uh, messy. I mean, he well, couldn't do much worse than the orange jumpsuit. I mean, Mano is like, you know, his head and his hand are like perfect, but, you know, this is a pretty crazy costume. Yeah, I'm just thinking the sword and gun and all. I'm like, really? I don't know if Wait, he all that. Oh, he does have a side sword. Okay, this, yeah, is, this went straight to an 11. On his shoulder. Yeah, and wait, he's got a gun um, on the side of his, his destructive hand yeah. yeah yeah it seems it's just kind of odd to me I, yeah. I love sprouse's designs normally this is just the one i'm like huh well maybe yeah. it's like his sword maybe he cross draws i don't know well he remember he wears a glove sometimes which yeah which yeah. is somehow impervious to his uh his very, touch very rogue of him it's, it's probably made out of the cape that he was b born in there you go or his uh uh the space capsule that he came in on Mm -hmm. But it's um, I think if I remember correctly, it's sort of reminiscent to his Mordruverse costume, yeah. with the cape and and sword. Yeah, without probably, the probably what they're going going for. It it is still definitely a Keith Giffen inspired future fashion statement. So you know, with lots of Kirby crackle. Yeah, yeah, lots of Kirby crackle. Yeah, it is. I'm just saying a lot of people wore capes in Giffen's future. Yes. No capes, darling. No capes. <laughs> well, apparently it's, you know, it's, it's in style just like puffy shirts. Right. Puffy shirts. and. But I don't want to be a pirate. You know, when we see Mano wearing Ed Hardy, that that's when I'll panic. So <laughs> I think Mano's tough just costume wise, just because he, he's like his, like his more famous costume. He's got that yellow jumpsuit with like, what the, the hand, hand, hand symbol on his chest, so you don't you don't mix him up with those other hand guys. 
And yeah. he wears that, that like dome kid. helmet. Like yeah. Karate Kid who had a hand on his costume for a while. It's like, what is that about? Man, Mano's design is so simple that he can basically wear anything and read his Mano, which is why he's such a very cool villain, in my opinion. So uh, opening the cover, page one, we have a Legionnaire roll call. Uh, you've got the character name, their real name, and their powers. We've got Apparition, Gossamer, Inferno, Leviathan, Livewire, Saturn Girl, Shrinking Violet, Triad, and Ultra Boy. How do you all feel about the Legion Roll Call in this manner? Because if I remember correctly, although the Legion Roll Call had appeared as like lists of names in the past, now going forward, we're going to be seeing more faces attached to names. I like well, it. Yeah, I, I like it. I think this is a throwback to the younger ages of this Legion and, and when the characters in the original batch were uh, those ages, you would see a roll call. So it's kind of a callback to that. Well, I, I, think I, I get this also, callback. Yeah, it's, it's also a um, uh, a new book and they want to yeah. they want to tell people who the characters are in this book if you're just picking it up. But yes. even once it even once it becomes an old book, they keep doing this though. It's kind of a motif that continues forward for a long Justice time. Justice League used to do that. Every right. comic is someone's first. That's true. Every but, comic is the first appearance of Superman somewhere. But do you, but I guess my question is: Do you think it's effective? Do you think it's? Do you think it gives the Legion like character? You know, is it is it something that we should be seeing more of now? Well, now we got the little freaking tags. tags, which yeah. do the same thing. Yeah. So. Well, in theory, I disagree in their actual uh, implementation. Yeah. Well. <laughs> well, we just need something that I think identifies the characters for it people. It kind of takes the place of the mission monitor board. I mean, Legion had a roll call in the annual, the first annual yeah. that came out. They we, had a roll call. We've got characters with new names, and, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, this book really did seem to be sort of a, hey, let's see if we can pull some new readers in. Uh, because you know, we're we're not the dark gritty, yeah, exactly. nine by nine grid book that's going to depress you no, with the death of the earth or whatever. You know, we're talking about gritty again, I guess. Yeah, gritty. <laughs> it's all it's about, about gritty. Well, you, you say that, but then there's this pool of blood with sunglasses in the middle of this page. Yeah, well, that was from Mega. <laughs> so uh, after gone the gone but not forgotten, bright blood. Uh, after the Legionnaires, it's uh, after the pictures, it says, and the other Legionnaires, Tom and Mary Beerbaum writers, Chris Sprouse, Sprouse penciler, Carl Story inker, Pat Brousseau letterer, Tom McCraw colorist, Eddie Berganza assistant editor, Casey Carlson editor, and special thanks to Wade Grawbadger, who apparently does not get his Vaughn no. uh, yet. Yeah, it's all yeah, he's got to earn it. So the title of this book is In Death's Grip. And uh, we open on uh, Mano and the um, uh, the Hycranian. And Mano's like, hold it right there, apparition. If any of you legionnaires so much as blinks, I put the grip on your precious paramour, Ultra Boy. And there'll be two pools of blood at my feet. Yeah, it's nice to know that Mano read the roll call. Yeah. Mano's no, this is this is this Mano's been around the block. He's fought legionnaires mm -hmm. for a very long time. He has, and I would have expected him to call Apparition Phantom Girl. Oh, good yeah, point. He, I guess I guess he did. Oh, good point. Good yeah, point. He knows who they are, but they don't really know who he is. Well, they, they know to... who he is. 
They I mean, unless they've looked at their at the Legion uh, archives. Oh, that's well, right. That's this right. Because group was alive when the Fatal Five form. Remember, they we got rid of Karate Kid and Projector. We have Pharaoh. No, 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 no. Pharaoh. No. The the um the um oh sorry Sun Eater story hadn't happened yet. So they actually hadn't formed the Fatal Five yet. However, they were five notorious supervillains. So you'd think they would have be aware of them. Correct. Okay. So then uh, Tenya's like, Mano, you monster. And also, I just oh. want to point out, is this uh, Wade Von Grawbadgers, is this his first Legion work? I was is about it? to ask that if it's the same person. I, yeah, he's, I, I mean, is. he's the one who's been eking Sook, you know, he's. Yeah. It, it is the same person. Um, I will leave it to one of you to look that up while I continue with the issue. I think it's his first mention in a Legion book. Uh, so then we cut over to the other three legionnaires and then the the gang members holding him hostage. And Mano's like, monster, perhaps so. Inhospitable host, most certainly, as your late dear friend Mega can attest. But then I didn't exactly invite you legionnaires here as my guests, did I? I never requested that you infiltrate my organization, attempt to sabotage the important work we're doing, and, of course, this is a nice job for Exposition Lad. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lorne is like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. Oh, sorry, Tinya. Vi is, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. Please, please don't let me die trying this. And she <laughs> shrinks. And her captor says, hey, she's gone. And now she's this little tiny figure. And the guy goes, it's the shrinking one, shrinking Violet. And she's like, Oh my gosh! And then I was like, "There on the floor, squash her!" And she, <laughs> and she ah, a bug, ah! and she pops up to full size and pops him one in the head with a poom. And you go, she goes, "Pick on someone your own size, reptile." That's and actually apparition. I yeah, think. and to Is be it? fair, to be fair, it's not your fault because uh, I'm gonna say uh, Sprouse kind of draws them kind of identical. They're both dark-haired girls that have the same facial oh, that, features. No, that, you're, you're right. Apparition is wearing the jacket, whereas yeah. Violet is not. Yeah, Violet's in all the purple, but I think uh, Apparition used that. Violet disappearing as a distraction to get yep. to Mano. All right, there you go. That's what happens. Well, especially when Lorno says, whoa, nice going, Apparition. Yep. Uh, so then the, uh, the thugs start firing. Shrack, 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 shrack. Kachink, kapew, kachink. Pew 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 pew, 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 pew. And one of the guys says, Scrag them. Hey. And Lorna goes, Scrag yourselves. <laughs> and uh, so they start shooting at Apparition. And of course, Apparition turns into a phantom right in front of Mano. So they blast him. And they shoot the Hycranian right in the face. In the with, face. With a, with a rrr. And she, go, uh, she goes, Thanks, bozos. And Mano's like, Idiots. And she says, I figured you'd be dumb enough to shoot at a phantom. Hey, Triad, come on, use your trijitsu training. Use it. Use your other two bodies. And she's like, Excuse me? Is this PG 13? Uh, sorry, our apparition can't. And she thinks, Have to fight this one solo. Keep these wads occupied uh, while my sisters try to make it on their own. And so that's. Um, the purple and blue, or the purple and orange blue, who's fighting, and then you have the all orange and the all purple one, are off uh, sneaking around. And so orange says, "Did you hear that gunfire?" Purple says, "Yeah, that means we got to get out of here now." Oh, Trinity, we never should have split up. 
then we wouldn't be free to go for help now, would we? Whoops, guards. Okay, here's what we do. And so Orange goes out. And so, oh, how, uh, hi, guys. I'll, uh, I'm just going out for a second, okay? And one of the guys says, uh, hold on, babe. Where's the crew you came in with? It's like, oh, well. Um, and then uh, Purple comes up from behind, smacks them, wonks their two heads together. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Grace under pressure. I love it. It's very Batman 67, isn't it? Wonk. <laughs> uh, and, and sound, so the they, sound of two coconuts colliding. Yeah, yes. pretty much. Doink. And so uh, they walk towards the wall, and Orange is like, this is the exit? And Purple's like, this is a hologram, remember? Now, come on, sis, move it. So they get back outside, and they're now in the uh, um, on the street. And Purple says, we ought to be beyond their jamming range now, so concentrate. Hook up with Saturn Girl telepathically. I'm trying, I'm trying. And then meanwhile below, we got a fight scene. Apparition is uh, is hitting one guy, and um, Triad's kicking another one. And uh, Apparition says, come on, Violet, we need some help now. And she's like, oh, okay. And she grows up big. We got to mop these feebs before Mano recovers. And Mano's like, thinks, too late, dear lady, too late. And he flips a, a gas grenade at him. And Apparition is like, huh? Some kind of gas. Got to switch to my phantom form before, before. Yawn. <laughs> and, and starts coughing. And Mano goes, now, my sweet, you've earned the right to die first. No, no, got to focus, focus. And then Mano shoots up, what? <laughs> and he's floating. He's like, what in the name of, I'm weightless. What kind of trickery? And Apparition is, uh, cough, cough, must be. Look out, the wall, it's melting through. Uh, yeah, reinforcements. Thank the mistress. And it's the uh, other two-thirds of Triad, along with Gossamer and Inferno and Brainiac 5 and Saturn Girl. And Mano's like, eternal perditions, legionnaires. <laughs> Inferno says, that's right, Mano, and you can bill me for that wall. Name's Inferno. Get to know it, man. Gossamer says, lucky you were keying in on Mano's thoughts when you were, Saturn Girl. Looks like I lightened the atmosphere in this chamber just in time. So therefore, she is uh, at this point lightning last. Get it? Yeah. yeah. I see what mm-hmm. you did there. Yuck! 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 Uh, yuck! Uh, this is a two-page spread, by the way. And then uh, Saturn Girl says, "Good work, Gossamer, and thanks, Triad. Your quick thinking saved Apparition's life." And the the two of the goons are like, "Yo, boss, what's the racket? What's going on in here? Whoa! Weapons out! Fire! Fire! Fire!" <laughs> and Inferno says, "You clowns want fire? I'll give you fire." And he shoots his uh, fireballs at them and blows up their guns. Cripes, our guns! Yow! And, it, uh, it's, it's very warriors come out to play, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Minus the fireballs. Yeah, yeah, minus the fireballs. But it's that street gang turf thing yeah. in the future thing tough going turf. on. Here. Yeah, tough turfs, baby. Tough turfs. And so uh, young Brainy goes over to uh, Ultra Boy. He's like, hmm, Ultra Boy has a concussion, not too serious. How are you doing, Violet? And she looks kind of woozy and says, uh, okay, Brainy, I guess. And Imra comes through with a poon, smacks this guy. Come on, let's shut these guys down, people. Get the injured to safety pronto. And the guy says, God, it's like she knows what I'm going to do. Ooh! As, she get, as he gets poomed. <laughs> And and Lorno's like, duh, 
Oh, it's almost like she's reading your mind, that bright guy. And so uh, Gossamer has got a, her using her powers against Mano. You, you're the one who rendered me weightless, a craven, cowardly attack. And she's like, well, if that's how you feel, and turns her powers off, and he falls down with a big crash with, uh, like, little stars like you see <laughs> in the cartoon. No little Tweety Birds, though. Aw. And... Uh, um, someone says, quick, Brainy, the hand guard. And so he puts a glove on in place. Mana won't be giving us any more trouble. And Inferno says, cool. Looks like that's a wrap. Uh, minutes later, in the office of Sean Aaron, chief of science police Earth. And uh, I wondered what happened to Gigi Cusimano. But then I looked back and found out that she is the chief of the science police, like the mother organization. Mm -hmm. So Sean Aaron is just chief of science police on Earth. Yeah, at this point, Zendek had retired or something. So, Yeah. Uh, and so uh, we were at headquarters in Inferno and Triad have Mano in shackles. And uh, Inferno says he won't talk won't say a word, which is copacetic with me, and they spelled copacetic wrong, but... <laughs> uh, well, he's let, a teenager, so yes. yeah. <laughs> let him take the fall for all the destruction his gang committed. And Triad says, even if somebody else was probably pulling the strings. Sean said, Triad is right, Mano. You didn't come up with all that technology yourself. Someone's backing you. Care to tell us who? Care to go to hell? And Sean says, yeah, yeah. You know, Mano, this is a hell of a dangerous game you've been playing. These linked cities we're living in, they're all that's left of Earth. Your reckless terrorism could have disrupted their delicate balance, destroyed everything. And Mano's like, my heart bleeds. And Sean says, hey, just think about it, Mano, while you're waiting for your rehab therapy to take hold. I've got a feeling it's going to be a long wait. Uh, we cut too far below in the service tunnels beneath Metropolis. We got two guys, uh, one of them is a science police. They're wandering around in the uh, in the sewers. And one says, so did you last see Liggett? The other says, I don't know, yesterday, day before? I'm sure there's a rational explanation for all this. First guy says, people don't just disappear down here for no reason. <laughs> Second guy says, eh, he's probably just home sleeping one off or something. First one says, oh, my God, is that him? Liggett, is that you, lad? Jeez, it looks like he's good gone. And there's a shh, a pair of glowing eyes. What could have done this to him? I don't think I want to know. What? No, shoot it, shoot it. Ah, help. And then uh, somebody's mask goes flying, and there's blood flying. And uh, Liggett, by the way, uh, this is the third appearance of that name. In mm. this, uh, in the series, yes, Liggett, uh, according to Tom Beerbaum, we'll get into details later, is named after uh, a fan named John Liggett. It was a running joke with the beer bombs. <laughs> so what? We, kill him off in every issue that he appears in? <laughs> exactly. Yes. Wow. <laughs> That's uh, hilarious. And, and after, after we after we go through the issue, I'll read his notes about why. Um, <laughs> So we previously saw a reference to a Dr. J. Liggett, L-I-G-I-T, 
in a medical paper discussing the validus plague back in issue three. Yes. And if, and if you remember, Reed Daggle's brother Ligged. Yes. Uh, okay. That's in, where that's what it made me think yeah, of. Yeah. Back back in issue six, uh, Ligged was kid was killed off uh, even before he appeared. Mm. So uh, that's where Ligged comes from. And then later, uh, I'm assuming this is the next day um, at Legionnaire's uh, headquarters. We got a bunch of people lined up and they're saying, we want a tryout. We want a tryout. And uh, let's see, we can see up at the very front, there's a familiar guy with orange skin and uh, purple armor. And he has what looks like detachable arms. Yes. Oh, no. No. It's Nathan Fillion in a comic book. This is. Uh, uh, and speaking of that, let me interrupt here. Uh, a couple months ago, the DC Comics, the, the official website, had a little article about characters in the Suicide Squad movie. Oh. And it was like a little short write ups on them. And then the recommended comic to read for the best story on them yeah and they mentioned arm fall off boy who is pretty much confirmed for suicide squad this is the issue that they recommended for him really? <laughs> and, and i actually his... I actually tracked down the writer i like looked him up and found him on twitter and i said hey and i showed him this panel i said this is his only appearance in this issue this is not the best arm fall off boy thing it is not and, <laughs> And, and he said, oh, well, I'm not really familiar with the Legion. We just saw he appeared in this. Oh. Wow. Did, did you at least give him a good reference to... I did. He, 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 he said, he said we might correct it. They did not. Yeah, mm -hmm. they're not going to correct that, please. They don't care. No, they don't and care. There, and there you go. That's There's a rant coming right there. That's yeah. yeah. And the character with the white, uh, the white face, kind of skullish looking thing in the purple outfit... He's from another Sprouse comic. Oh, is he? oh okay. I was, I was thinking uh, that was mo like Molecular Master or something. No, he's. There was another comic that Sprouse drew, and I cannot think of it right now. But he was in that. I'll have to look it up. Ah. And then the uh, the woman in the light blue, we will see more of later. Oh yeah. Uh, the, uh, so, so we've got a. I was, uh, was going to say the only on. other one that looked uh, like anything to me was the uh, girl in purple. Uh, she looks like she might have Brawlion like thing going on because she's got the three uh, discs on uh, her chest. Yeah. Well, the three—that's Brainiac. That's a Brainiac. Oh, oh yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I kind of but, associate that with uh, yeah. Cosmic Boy sometimes. But there's a lot of Legionnaires or a lot of uh, tryout or applicants here, and we'll see more in future issues. Uh, so we got a reporter who's uh, talking to a couple people, one of whom looks like uh, she's dressed up in a uh, Catwoman suit and says, so you folks would like a shot at joining this new Legionnaires team. And one other guy with the big A on his chest says, that's right, Beck. All we're asking for is a chance to strut our stuff. Looks a little like bootleg amazing man. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, uh, Beck is uh, most likely a reference to Spencer Beck, uh, who was listed in the, um, I forgot to look this one up, but he was referenced in the source book as kind of a reporter type guy. Spencer Beck is a, um, uh, a comic artist agent. Oh, okay. 
Uh, he's an art. Yeah, he sell, sells art. Art dealer too. Yeah. Um, so he's so, looking for his cut, basically. Okay. Cool. So after this um, uh, this one panel for tryouts, we go back inside headquarters, and they're looking at uh, Ultra Boy, who's lying shirtless on the couch. <laughs> like and, you do. Well, if you're in the hospital, you do. Yeah. Uh, and Apparition's like, oh, Joe, for a while, I thought he was going to lose you. Ah, oh, Tanya, you worry too much. And she's like, yeah, right, not like you. Mr. Stay back, Tanya, I'll protect you. <laughs> Guess you got me there. Yuck, and, yuck. Uh, Saturn Girl is uh, next to the Cosmic Boy. She says, this is all my fault. I was so sure my mind link would keep the team straight. And Cos says, no, Saturn Girl, I ran the operation. I'm team leader. This has to fall on my shoulders. And she says, wow, you know, most guys would jump at the chance to blame somebody else. But not you. Sometimes, Cos, you're almost too good to be true. And gives him a peck on the cheek. And he's like, oh, uh, I'd better be going. And she says, uh, don't ever change, okay? He's like, oh, okay. And so he starts walking down the hall. Well, muttering to himself, what do you think about that? And Livewire's waiting around the corner and punches him uh, right in the face with a wump uh, as he walks by and says, this is what I think about that. And he's like, huh? Livewire, what's the big idea, man? Funny, I was just about to ask you the same thing. Because mm -hmm. says, what are you talking about? Is this that Saturn girl thing again? And Garth says, listen, pal, you just keep your magnetic paws off my girl. You got that? <laughs> and he's got, like, the, the, the accusatory finger. But And then Imra walks up. Hey, my two favorite guys in the universe. How's it going? Because uh, says, Saturn girl. Oh, uh, fine. And Livewire says, yeah, just fine. And walks off with his, puts his arm around her. And uh, scowls at Cosmic Boy. Says, and now, if you don't mind, we don't want to be late for our big meeting. And Cos says, hey, go right ahead. Nobody's stopping you. And he's not yet, anyway. Huh. So shortly, uh, we are now in the headquarters around the big table with the L. And uh, we hear, we see, we want a tryout. We want a tryout going on. Cos says... And so I thought we might build some sort of monument for poor Mega. And Tenzel... A statue! Across, Take a drink! Yay! Tenzel, who's across the table, says, Huh? To build a condiment? <laughs> condiment king! And Pharaoh says, Kaz, we can't hear you. Triad says, What is all that noise? Our fans? Inferno says, Fans? Wannabes. They're bucking for a tryout for the team. And so they bring it up on screen, and Kaz says, yeah, it looks like the crowd out there is getting a little rowdy. Uh, and Chameleon says, Kaz, why not just give them what they want? Hold a few tryouts. And Tenzel says, huh? Hold a few trouts? Kaz <laughs> uh, says, uh, okay, Cam, if you say so. And soon they go out into the roof, and everybody's like, yeah, there they are. It's them, the Legionnaires. Oh my God, Inferno, Inferno. <laughs> and Tenzel's like, looks like we're a hit, guys. And uh, Livewire says, man, talk about prodigious, which was a very 90s word there. Yeah. Is it time to bring up the fact that Inferno's got a mullet? 
Uh, sure. Because, damn. Yeah. That is a mullet. That is kind of well, yeah, breaky right there. He is uh, all right. bus- business up front, party in the back. Totally. Uh, and uh, so Garth is channeling his inner Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Man, talk about prodigious. <laughs> Amber says, you said it. And Kaz says, please, people, please, you're disrupting the entire area. And Tenzel's like, thank you, everybody. Thank you. We love you. Uh, as if they're cheering only for him. Kaz says, please, everybody, please, quiet down. And we see more people in strange outlandish costumes. We want a tryout. We want a tryout. Kaz says, they're ready to riot. What do we do now? Cam says, well, I'd say you better start holding some tryouts. Okay, okay, we'll hold some tryouts. Yay! <laughs> but we only have time for a few. Uh, and Kaz points, uh, uh, first you, the woman in blue there in the first row. And there's the uh, the woman that we saw earlier who was in the light blue. Says, me? Really? Oh, my God. Uh, my name is... And a, uh, a more buxom redhead <laughs> walks up and says, dream on, honey. They mean me. But, but... And so she walks up. And Livewire is right. That's right. Just step right up and let's get a better look at you. And Cosmic Boy says, actually, Livewire, I was pointing to, and Livewire interrupts him. So what do you call yourself? And she goes, I go by the name of X-Bomb Betty. <laughs> and, and Tenzel says, and what besides the obvious is your special talent, Betty? And uh, she is wearing a jacket, kind of a, a crop jacket that is cut very low and has a, a very ample cleavage, sh- shall we say? Yes. Yeah, we shall say it, that. It's kind of if it's kind of if Black Canary's um, old jacket closed. Yes. It's kind of what the outfit is because she's got that choker too. Yeah. Right. And she says, "Well, matter eater, Matt lad." My scientist father has turned me into a living X-bomb. I can create an explosion of 150 megatons. And Livewire is like, I'll bet you can. And Saturn Girl says, oh, please. If she gives him a look. She's getting assaulted by all of these male lust thoughts right now. And uh, Cosmic Boy says, uh, this does sound quite promising, Miss. Uh, could we maybe see a demonstration of your power? She says, huh? But I can only do it once. And Livewire's like, um, oh. Kaz's like, I'm sorry, miss. We really can't use a one-shot power. That's a and, dig at wildfire, isn't it? And Tenzel says, besides, you look like you can go off at any moment. And so I was thinking, yes, it's either an homage to Erg One, who said that he had that same thing that he could only do once, or, as I found when I was doing a little research... Uh, somebody pointed out that in the 1957 Looney Tunes cartoon yep. Showbiz Bugs, uh, where Daffy and Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny are trying to one up each other, uh-huh. this is his last uh, stunt that he says he can only do this once mm-hmm. and blows himself up. I also kind of thought of this as maybe a slight reference to Boom Boom in X Force. That just would, because of the attitude of her, <laughs> that would uh, make that would make a lot of sense. Um, but Boom Boom could could 
do it more than once. She did, but when, <laughs> yes, when you call but, someone but then it's X, not, yeah. it's like X-Bomb. Yeah. Hold on, whoever an X-Men does that. Oh, Boom Boom does. Yes. Okay, I get it. Yuck, yuck. <laughs> yeah, the and fact she, that she can do it more than once is fine, but it's funnier oh. here that she can't. Um, uh, but also, yeah, I mean, one-shot power, that's obviously um, a Wildfire reference because that was what his first story was called. Yep, one shot one hero. One shot hero, exactly. So uh like any login song <laughs> from the eighties, really. <laughs> okay, go on. <laughs> so Livewire's like, better luck next time, babe. Okay, you, the girl with the big and he's ponytail. Cosmo's no livewire. She's the person I called on for uh she's next. The person I called on the first time. And it's the girl in the light blue that we saw early. It's me? Really me? Yes, you. Just come on up, please, and tell us who you are. And she's like, okay, I'm um, uh, Sarah Kesh, and I can, like, make things float. And cause, like, float in water? No, no. Um, maybe I should, you know, demonstrate, like, with a volunteer. And Cam says, well, Livewire here seems to be in a participatory mood. <laughs> and he says, me? Get out of here. Cause says, Livewire will be perfect. Because ahead, we're all going to be dicks to each other now. <laughs> go ahead, Sierra. Show us what you can do. And um, uh, it's important to note, by the way, that Sierra uh, has acne. Mm -hmm. And she is not drawn as, uh, shall we say, one of the uh, thin and fit female legionnaires. She's also very plain on top of that. Yeah. yeah. They, they've gone out of her their way to make Sierra look like what you would consider that teenager in junior high who sits by themselves at lunch. She looks like how everyone should look in reality. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's it, awkward at this age. Pretty much. Yeah. And she says, okay, I'm still kind of new at this, but okay. And then she telekinetically lifts live wire and he says, Hey, and cause says, very good, Sierra. And she's like, uh, and live wire is like, just don't drop me, kid. And she says, no, I won't. And then you can tell it's telepathic or telekinetic power because she's got her fingers pressed to her head. Yeah. And her spider her spider sense is tingling. Yeah. Yes. And then she says, it's um, um, it's slipping. I can't. And then she lets go. And, he, and li a live wire forgets he's wearing his flight ring. Yes. Yeah. Yep. He lands on, on his oxyx. Lands on his ass with a whoomp. Uh, and... Emma grins down and says, nice landing. And Sarah goes, oh, God, I'm sorry. And Garth goes, you stupid cow. What was that supposed to be? Wow. What and Cos is like, day. don't worry about it, Sarah. <clears throat> Just keep working on your power. You show a lot of promise. And Inferno says, right, if telekinesis doesn't work, you can always sit on your opponents. So, so Livewire and Sunboy lost their notes about being heroic because now they're being played by kids from the from the film Carrie. Yeah, going back to the uh, the Book of King here. And also, I apparently, don't remember that uh, Chuck Tane used to be a team member. Yes. Yeah. It, it, Dirk should remember about that statue he saw. Dirk is is really a problem here because he just saw what happened to his future older self by going down this path. He should be do, he should be going out of his way to date Sarah, but that's not going to happen. 
And there's a unfortunately he's still Dirk. Yep. And uh, Tom Beerbaum has a has a long paragraph to say about this later. <laughs> so uh, uh, after that, uh, Cosmo Boy says, "Inferno, put a sock in it, will you?" And people are laughing at her, and and Inferno says, "Hey, it's not my fault. She's a porker." And Cos says, "That's enough, Inferno." Uh, next guy comes up and says, "Well, guys, I guess I'm next. I call myself Plaid Lad." And he is he's kind of all, dressed, all dressed in plaid and he's got a big P on his uh P for plaid mm-hmm. on his uh on his chest there. And Tenzel goes, Plaid lad, that's um that's an unusual name. And people in the uh uh audience start uh giggling because uh Chameleon and Tenzel are right there and their feet are now turning plaid. And now all of a sudden their uh, their whole uniforms are plaid up to the necks. And he goes, see, I was born with a mutant ability to, whoops, my power, it's going out of control. And Tenzel's all jumping bishops. Chameleon says, this, this is a brand new uniform. And Tenzel, uh, who is one of the least useful legionnaire powers in the group, says, I'm sorry, plaid lad. But until you learn to better control your unique abilities, you'd be a, as great a danger to us as to our enemies. <laughs> That's an emergency. And that sounds like it's lifted straight from somebody else's uh, application that didn't work out. It does, doesn't it? But I couldn't find who it was. Polar Boy was my first thought, but it's not him. Mm-hmm. I checked. So if anybody knows where that, if that came from somewhere. I would have guessed uh, Infectious Lass, actually. Uh, did not look her up, but that. Yeah, because she, she made Starboy so sick, and she apologized, and they sent her away because she couldn't control her powers as well, so. Didn't even give her a flight belt, probably. No, no. She got her ring when she joined the subs. That's right. Uh, and then, uh, so uh, Cam says, uh, better luck next time, kid. And so um, they're still in their plaid outfits. And uh, Chameleon says, uh, Cosmic Boy, this is not working. You really need to appoint somebody, have them organize regular screenings for future tryouts. Good idea, Cam, and thanks for volunteering. Me, but but I was thinking more along the lines of... I'm a grown-ass man. What's happened here? Yeah. And Kaz says, sorry, everybody, we're out of time. Oh, but talk to Camille and he can arrange future tryouts for you all. Wow. All right. That'll keep Cam out of my hair for a day. Thank you. And so they, uh, they walk back in live wire and command start walking in as plaid lad walks off. Uh, um, Inferno goes down to meet X bomb Betty. He's like, so Betty, is it? And she's like, hi there. That's quite a power you got there, Betty. And meanwhile, uh, Sarah Kesh is sitting at the bottom of the steps crying. And uh, Betty says to Inferno, thank you, you're sweet. Uh, And he says, maybe you could tell me a little bit more about yourself, say, over dinner. And Sarah is like, I don't believe him. And Inferno says, so how about it? And she says, excuse me, Inferno, but I've really got to say I didn't appreciate the way you and Inferno says, listen, kid, I'm busy. Why don't you go play Connect the Dots on your face? 
And I Betty mean, la- that, that's unnecessary. Be- <laughs> that's Betty, really cruel. Betty laughs and Sarah uh, gasps and starts to cry. Amber's behind her. It's like, Sarah, please don't let Inferno bother you. He doesn't mean to be such a jerk. It's okay, Saturn girl. I, I, and then she starts to run off. Oh, Sarah, don't cry, please. And she runs off, excuse me. And uh, she runs off thinking, damn him, damn him to hell. He's, he's horrible, such a creep. God, to think I was so excited this morning when I put on my uniform. Nothing was more important to me than impressing the Legionnaires. And she's off in an alley now crying. And now, now I feel like a total idiot. I can't believe the things I used to, to dream about him. God, I wish I was dead. And uh, floating over her and listening to her is the Emerald Eye. Oh, that can't be. No, no. Uh, and speaking of the Emerald Eye, uh, we are now on the prison world of Tacron Galtos 2. Um, and, of course, Tacron Galtos was the prison planet that got destroyed uh, during Crisis. It was replaced by Labyrinth. But this is the first appearance of Tacron Geltos 2. We go through these prison planets like copy paper. Yeah, I think uh, Labyrinth is still around. I don't think it got destroyed. I just think they can have more convicts now after we've run out of room. Happened. Yeah. Now I'll need to, to activate the hive mind on this one. Oh. Uh-oh. When I was when I was looking up Tacron Geltos 2, uh, the dc.fandom.com page says the name Tacron Geltos was also used to describe an interplanetary prison in the PC game Star Wars Jedi Outcast. Oh. But I've never played it. I have played it. I have played it, but it's so long ago, I would never be able to remember. It came out in 2002. Yes, it did. But but if I couldn't We could look up a Let's Play and find it. Uh, it Star Wars uh, Jedi Outcast was the third game in the uh, Jedi uh, Dark Forces first-person shooter series. Mm-hmm. One of the most convolutedly named series of all time. Uh, <laughs> it was Star Wars Dark Forces, Star Wars Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2, Star Wars uh, Jedi Knight Jedi Outcast, and then finally Star Wars Jedi Knight Jedi Academy. <laughs> See your Star Wars and I raise you the Kingdom Hearts series, sir. So if anybody is familiar with the name Tacron Galtos as it applies to Star Wars Jedi Outcast, uh, please drop us a note or leave us a, uh, a comment. And where can they do that, Paul? Oh, well, they can send that to us at legionofsubstitutepodcasters at gmail.com. Woohoo! Uh, so anyway, back on Tacron Galtos 2, um, uh, a, a science police guard says, you know, I could get into a hell of a lot of trouble for this, Macaulay. And Macaulay says, yes, but you're uh, you're getting a hell of a lot of money for it, too, aren't you? And the guard says, I better be. So here is Macaulay, the atomic axe. You want to take it now? Uh, and Macaulay says, no, you just uh, let it go. Huh? Go ahead, let it go. And uh, draped over his shoulder is a, uh, is a woman in green and white with green hair, who looks a lot like an Emerald Empress. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the security guard lets it go. 
and it starts floating. Gaul, it's floating by itself. Indeed. And now, I hope you have some uh, explanations ready for your superiors. What? And the axe uh, starts chopping its way out of the, uh, the holding cell with a tss and a crackoom, which is Taking close a enough. Drink, sir. Yep. Alert, alert, security breach. And then uh, Macaulay and the Empress fade away. And we'll be taking our leave of you now. Huh? Stop, stop. Holograms, they were nothing but a couple of bloody holograms. He set me up. That rich son of a dirge set me up. Uh, yeah, that's what rich people do. Uh, and then so the, the atomic axe goes flying off planet. Uh, I'm sure we will find out uh, before too long where it's going. But if we've got Mano and the And we Emerald have the Eye, number one on the cover. <laughs> you know where this is going, right? Mano and the Emerald Eye and someone who looks like the Emerald Empress and the Atomic Axe. I think they're getting the band back together. Seems sort of. that way. Uh, so meanwhile, on New Earth, the sun is beneath, tunnels beneath Metropolis. Um, we've got Leviathan and Gossamer. And she says, come on, Leviathan, try to concentrate. We're supposed to be looking for those missing tunnel workers. I know, Gossamer, but geez, I just got to wonder if anybody in the team really appreciates me. Like, when was the last time Cosmic Boy or Chameleon just told me I was doing a good job? Come on, Leviathan, you can't let, get, can't let things like that get to you. Just remember in your own heart what a great guy you are. He's like, me? A great guy? She says, of course. And he kind of makes a play to grab her hand. Aww. Gosh, gosh, Gossamer, I didn't know you felt that way. And she pulls her hand away. Sheesh, Leviathan, I don't feel that way. <coughs> and he turns away and says, oh, boy, I feel like an idiot. Oh, Leviathan. Yeah, look out. And there's a big splash page of a giant rock-looking creature with a symbol on his chest that we haven't seen before who comes after them with a roar as, holy, what the hell is that? Next, terror in the tunnels. Terror. Terror in the tunnels. <laughs> so then we've got three pages of... Uh, Guide to the Guide to the 30th Century, where we look at Pharaoh, Gossamer, Inferno, Invisible Kid, Leviathan, Livewire, Matter Eater Lad, Saturn Girl, and Shrinking Violet. Um, remember, this is mostly for the uh, the new readers, mm -hmm. um, and so it gives a little bit about their origin, their powers. Um, but then, what's kind of interesting is that. Um, in each of them, they talk a lot about what their personal life is doing. Like, um, Gossamer has no special boyfriend, but is close friends with her brother's girlfriend, Saturn Girl, and enjoys helping both Shrinking Violet and Triad overcome their shyness. Um, uh, Invisible Kid's close legionnaire friend is Brainiac 5. Uh, although Lyle cannot comprehend why Brainy expends so much time and energy pursuing Andromeda. Uh, Lyle himself is extremely shy around the Legionnaire women, although many, although many of them find the shy, quiet, invisible kid very cute. 
Leviathan. See, are they setting him up for something later? I think See, they are. This seems like a lot of coding. Yeah, that's a lot of coding right there, kids. Uh, Leviathan <laughs> is a uh, has a self-image problem, feels unworthy, manages to keep himself in a constant state of frustration by setting impossible goals for himself. He's also an incurable romantic wow. who, drifts, who drifts through many unrequited crushes on his female teammates, especially Shrinking Violet. Um, let's see, Inferno. Uh, he will manipulate the, uh, the rules if it suits his goals. Many of his teammates are aware of his arrogant tendencies and his out-for-himself manner, but his charm, dedication, and skillful politicking ultimately wins over everyone he meets. Uh, his closest friend, Livewire, marvels at Inferno's abilities at attracting the ladies. Uh, Livewire, uh, Garth's steady is Saturn Girl, but then spends a fair amount of time carousing and womanizing with his buddy Inferno, although his flirting is quite discreet. Uh, Matter Eater Lad, realizing that his matter-eating ability is fairly useless in a fight, uh, Tenzel actually takes his hand-to-hand -hand combat training seriously. Plus, his instinct for self-preservation is so keen that he can talk himself out of situations by totally confusing his attackers with a barrage of non-sequiturs unequaled in the 30th century. He's Star-Lord, baby. <laughs> yeah. Amiable and likable, Tenzel has many friends among the Legionnaires, but has a special fondness for shy, shrinking Violet as he attempts to draw her out of her shell. Aww. Uh, let's see, Saturn Girl uh, has is self-disciplined, which gives her the appearance of being cold or aloof to her teammates and has led to un some unflattering nicknames like Iron Butt and Ice Maiden. Uh, <laughs> in reality, she's warm and deeply caring, best demonstrated by her feelings toward the similarly misunderstood Livewire. Uh, and Shrinking Violet... Um, uh, she is fiercely proud of her Imskian roots, extremely loyal to her Legionnaire friends. Um, she also serves on the espionage squad, although frequently reluctant to do so. Nervous and shy around her male teammates, Violet is nonetheless very curious about boys and often shares her secret crush crushes with her close friend, Triad. And so that is the issue. Nice. Yay. So a quick follow-up on that uh, uh, Tacron Galtos uh, Star Wars thing. Uh, it looks like the uh, wiki is actually wrong, mm. as the only thing that comes up is a user-created single-player level. Uh, uh -oh. as, as it was a... It, they made a level that was a reference to Legion. It's not an official thing in the game. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Next, uh, ne next bit of follow-up info. Um... Wade oh, wait, Von... one, one, one more thing before we, uh, before we continue. <laughs> um, so we talked a little bit about the Fatal Five, and I wanted to uh, review the state of the Fatal Five, since it looks like they are getting the band back together. Uh, Farrakh was last seen disappearing at the end of the Darkman story, uh, which was in uh, number 271. Yep. Emerald Empress is apparently dead. Yep. When Sensor Girl cut off the Emerald Eye from her. Uh, yep. Persuader is a killer for hire. Last seen in issue 13 
on quarantine, trying to kill Char Barain on behalf of Leo McCauley. Yep. Uh, Mano, um, before being captured this issue, he also appeared in 13 with Starfinger. Uh, and Validus uh, was eventually cured of the effects of Darkseid's manipulation and turned back into normal child Garadin Rands. He's a real boy. He's he is now a real, real boy. boy. Uh, we also had three other members. Uh, Flair, who was uh, briefly a member, uh, later Mind Wipe, and we saw her back in issue 40, um, Battling the Legion. Uh, Caress, I could find no further appearances of her after being a member of Emerald Empress's Five. And, of course, the last of the eight members of the Fatal Five is Mentella, who tried to infiltrate the Fatal Five after being rejected by the Legion, but killed, and as far as we know, still dead. Has not gotten better. No. Oh. I'm taking a drink. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, we talked at the beginning of the issue about uh, Wade Von Graub Adger. Um, and Travis is right. This is his first mention in a Legion comic. Um, and it's not a full credit, so clearly he basically did some uh, assist work for um, for story. Call story. Yeah. Um, or maybe he did the, some of the, these uh, uh, sketches for the uh, uh, the um, who's who kind of stuff. Um, but also um, his next issue, where he does get full credit. Uh, is um, going to be, going to have been, um, the annual number four, uh, where he will bring us the uh, joy that is Jam. Oh, God. Oh, right. Yes. Well, because one of the things he was, uh, I, I mean, he worked on a lot of issues of, of Starman, for example, uh, but, but he was also, uh, uh, he also worked a lot with uh, Stuart Eminem. So, um and I guess that's where it started uh-huh. with jam. <laughs> Everything Thanks, starts Joe. with jam. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> I know. So, uh, uh, still. And, <laughs> we, and just to one more thing from the issue uh, Travis found the character um, that was uh, lined up for the tryout. And it is from. A book called Hammerlock, Hammerlock which I, I have a vague memory of. Like when I, when I saw that, it was kind of like, oh yeah, I think I bought that. Um, I don't know if I bought subsequent issues, but uh, oh. but I certainly bought that first one. Um, and it's a character called Fade, with a PH, cool. you know, like the kids say. Fade, yeah. So cool. Uh, so there we go. So that's all of the little little nuggets we picked out. I did check um, Superboy 201 uh, to see if um, the um, um, rejection speech appeared in there. Uh, and while it doesn't appear verbatim, uh, that speech that, uh, that he gives is clearly a composite of the ones given for um, uh, Porcupine Pete and infectious lass. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, so uh, so Superboy says to uh, to Porcupine Pete when he says, I still haven't figured out how to control my aim, Superboy says, so we've noticed. Your power is obviously more of a hindrance than a help. Rejected. 
and then um brutal uh, right <laughs> it's because he's Superboy. he's he, you know he's uh, already he's growing up into the dick he will once become yes that's exactly it and then um <laughs> for infectious lad um of course starboy gets sick and she says oops i must have hit him with too strong a dose but he'll be okay in a few minutes and she says, oh, I, I, I'm terribly sorry about this, Superboy. And he says, and so are we, because we can't accept a power that suddenly could put all of us on the sick list. Rejected. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah, more super dickery. More super Starboy needed a new costume after that issue, because uh, <laughs> kind of opened the sluices at both ends, I'm oh afraid. Oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> So uh, what did uh, Tom have to say about this issue? Uh, let's see. So he spends um, a lot of it recapping the issue. So I'm going to skip over that. Yeah. Uh, when we talk up or when he talks about Liggett, he says, longtime readers will guess that this is our latest example of killing off someone named for Wappen John Liggett, where I get Wappa is an Appa. And if you're a member of the Wappa Appa, you're a Wappen. Whoa, whoa, what's happening there? Somebody's opening up oh, cookies. Who's I'm been sorry. attacked? Who's been attacked? I thought I was muted. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Cookie? <laughs> so, uh, They're actually chocolate-covered almonds. They're really good. Oh, nice. cookie. Or, oh. Except for the almonds part, that sounds good. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Judgy. Yeah. Well, I like chocolate. I don't like almonds, so... Send your almond hate mail to yeah. Michael. <laughs> yeah. He seems to have plenty of it already. I know. I don't hate almonds. I just don't like them. I hate pickles. That's a different story. Ooh, send your pickle hate mail to That's Michael. right. Anyway, uh, <laughs> before I was so rudely interrupted by some <laughs> uh, longtime readers will guess this is our latest example of killing off someone named for weapon John Liggett which we did on at least a few occasions, including giving Reap Daggle a brother named Ligd, who Reap was forced to kill in a ritual battle of, to the death. The gag is that John used to repeatedly kill off Superman in a cliffhanger round-robin story members, or in a round-robin story members of WAPA were writing in the very early days of that APA, and it seemed appropriate, therefore, to similarly kill off a Liggett-inspired character in the various series we're writing. Sadly, our good friend John died for real in 2013. He'll be missed very much. Aw. Uh, poor one then, out. Yes. Then we get into a uh, a digression. See, even <laughs> even uh, Tom Bierbaum gets into digressions. It says, Plaid Lad Digression. Based on internet questions Mary's been getting recently, it appears there's a bit of a cult of Plaid Lad fa fans out there. Oh, God. And I have to admit, he's one of my favorite among the silly throwaway characters we created, which is quite a list, including Echo Chamber Chet, Spaceopoly Lad, Policy Pam, X-Bomb Betty, and Accordion King. <laughs> we were recently asked what the story was behind Plaid Lad's creation, and I answered there really was no story I was just trying to think of silly heroes for this scene, and the name popped into my head. But seeing an all-checkered race car among the vintage cars at this year's Indy 500 pre-race activities reminded me of what I think is the more detailed story behind Plaid Lad's creation. Uh, 
When I was about seven, we were playing superheroes, and one of my younger brothers was wearing a T-shirt with a crest that had checkers on it. He needed a superhero identity, and I dubbed him, in all seriousness, Checkered Chet. <laughs> for, for many years, I refused to give up on that silly name, and we had a serious hero in our homemade superhero groups named Checkered Chet. He had varying powers. Eventually, he could split into positive and negative versions of himself, one being all black and one being all white. I think when I came upon Plaid Lad, I initially thought of Checkered Chet and considered using that classic name in the scene, but decided it was too close to our Tartaran hero who we'll see in issue 49, Echo Chamber Chet. Besides, being able to turn clothes into plaid was probably funnier than making them checkered, and I think Plaid Lad had more of a classic sound to it than even the wonderful checkered chet. And kudos to Chris Sprouse for playing it completely straight in his presentation of these silly heroes, which gives their goofy powers and their reactions of the Legionnaires exactly the deadpan approach we were looking for. (laughs) Checkered Chet has all the powers of the third wave of Ska. Mm. You know, you, you laugh, but at Dragon Con, you know, there's a costume for every occasion, and we had a Superman who was in plaid. Nice. The, the Superman outfit, but it was all plaid because why? Plaid was the cheapest fabric you could get. <laughs> fabric. <laughs> so then I did a deep dive on Plaid Lad, um, and I found a CBR article from like 2007. Uh, this was written by a Legion fan, uh, and this article was the top five Legion rejects. Oh, God. Uh, Plaid Lad was number five. Um, the uh, Arm Fall Off Boy was not in the list at all. That is a crime, sir. Uh, number four was The Mess. Yeah. Who has the amazing power to attract dirt. <laughs> uh, number three is Estimate Boy, who can instantly estimate weights, measures, speeds, and numbers, but he lacks accuracy. <laughs> uh, number two is Accordion King who can expand and contract his lower torso to make a musical sound. Oh, Jesus. And the number one... I can do uh, that, too, by the way. Oh, no. no. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> and the number one Legion reject is Ran Antar, who invented a formula that makes feathers as heavy as lead. <laughs> because fighting feathered uh, villains is something that I guess doesn't come up very often. Happens more often than you think. <laughs> if you're in the Hawkman book, yeah. I guess, yeah. Dawnstar, so, look out. Oh, true. Uh, so the um, uh, with the Legionnaire um, uh, charts in the back, he says, uh, the balance of the issue features three pages of Legionnaire profiles. I don't remember writing the character descriptions, I guess they were pulled together by editor Casey Carlson, probably based to a degree on what we wrote for the series Bible back when we were going to retell the early days of the Glorith vs. Legion, with probably a lot of updating and rewriting by KC. Lots of really interesting insights into the characters, though by and large, I wonder if it might be too much info being told to the readers rather than having those character details shown to the readers through events in the stories themselves. Um, 
one of my reactions to reading the issue for the first time in many years is how quick and fun a read it is, and yet how much seems to be crammed into the issue. For my taste, it's an effective combination of action, innovative characterization, humor, and entertaining old-fashioned superhero elements. Uh, if I could polish up the issue a bit, I'd probably tweak the dialogue a little to address probably the most persistent complaint of the time, which is why there wasn't a more direct, harsher reaction to the odious behavior of Inferno towards Sarah. In the scripting stage, it felt like things were crowded and the next event would come along and distract the characters before they had a chance to really react as they'd like. But the finished comic leaves enough space that we could have worked in more reaction and more of a feeling like the other Legionnaires refused to accept Inferno's rude behavior. But I think it's also important to keep in mind that it's very common in the real world when this kind of cruelty happens for people to freeze and not react in the moment the way they wish they had afterwards. Mm -hmm. Remember, these are teenagers like 16, 17 years old. When people like Kaz and Saturn are feeling a little overwhelmed and wrestling with some feelings, including guilt, about various things going on with the team, they can sometimes fall a little short of the kind of hero we expect them to be in uncomfortable moments like these. And that's what Tom has to say. I did. I actually, cool. I actually really liked how Saturn Girl like makes excuses for Inferno because mm -hmm. that felt kind of real. Yeah, he doesn't mean to be a jerk, <laughs> but uh, he is. You know, I mean, it's kind of like yeah, you're burying the lead there, but and it was very brave of Sarah to walk up to to Inferno and say, "Hey, I don't like the way you treated me," and he was just he doubled down on the dickness. You know, so it's like, wow. So her powers Dude. were telekinesis, right? Because at first yeah. I thought it was, I, I thought her problem was going to be that her, she had the same powers as a light lass or a uh, gossamer. Uh, well, no, they mentioned, they mentioned telekinesis and she's also got, you know, the uh, putting her hands to her temples, which is the, you know, the psionic powers. Right. Telepathy, Split telekinesis. Yeah. I'm sure she'll be. Reborn as the Phoenix any day now. I'm sure. Hold on. Watch uh, the space, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll see what the Emerald Eye has to say about that. Indeed. So you got any feedback? Um, hang on. I'm just going to check. Uh, nothing in the mailbox, but I think there were a couple of... Uh, Do we have some stumpage? Comments. You know what? No, I covered these, these this this last week. Oh, sweet! Yeah, no, we're 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 clear. So, uh, yeah, all of the, all of the uh, <laughs> feedback, of course, has been covered further back in history. Speaking of history, Michael, <laughs> wow! Can you tell us what happened this week in Legion history? Oh, I suppose I could. <laughs> uh, let's see, fifty-five years ago. Uh, 1966, Adventure Comics, number 343. The Legion meets the Luck Lords, and with the help of the Legion of Super Pets, they are able to defeat the evil Luck Lords. It is, the, it is revealed that the Lords were really evil scientists who were using technology and hypnotism to strike the Legion down. Or were they? Dot, dot, dot. And you guys covered that way back in episode number 48. Goodness. 
which was we were almost we were kids, Paul. We were so young, almost six hundred episodes ago. Yeah, seriously. Jesus Christ! (laughs) Cut us open. Count the rings. Thirty five years ago, nineteen eighty six. Tales of the Legion number three thirty five. The Legion must safeguard the candidates for presidency of Earth from assassination. Reprints, volume three, number 10, which you can hear in episode 153. <clears throat> 30 years ago, 1991, we had a triple shot. Uh, first book that came out, Adventures of Superman 477. Time and time again, part four, Superman meets the Bronze Age Legion, which we covered in episode 578. Also, Books of Magic, volume one, number four. Mr. E takes Tim Hunter into the future to help him understand magic in the DC universe. And we get a glimpse of Mordrew, the White Witch, and the Archmage. Uh, and also on that same day, uh, Who's Who in the DC universe, the Loose Leaf version, number eight. We have five year later entries for the Durlins, Furball, and Kent Shakespeare. 20 years ago, 2001. Superboy's Legion number one. Uh, after launching from Krypton before it exploded, baby Kal-El remains in suspended animation for a thousand years and is found and adopted by R.J. Brand, later founding the Legion. Uh, and yes, we'll get to that one eventually. Mm-hmm. Fifteen years ago, 2006, Legion of Superheroes volume five, number 15, Campfire tales tell the legend of the mythical legionnaires Dawnstar, Block, and Tyrock. <laughs> and, as I found from uh, one tab on the spreadsheet, you guys had stopped doing the three boot with issue 14. Mm-hmm. So this is the first issue that you did not cover. And best as I can tell, uh, after we finish up five years later and then do all the reboot... <laughs> Uh, we will get to issue 15 sometime in 2028. Good lord! Um, just, just around the corner. Now. Yeah. Now, now, I just want to. Jeez, it'll be almost 20. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, yep. Um, 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 15. Correct me if I'm wrong. That was when it. That was a a, a one year later. No, was it, it was gone? a thousand. Oh. And, it was a thousand and one years later. Oh, right. It was it was right in that weird area where they were going to Supergirl. But that was yeah. yeah so that was yeah okay. Yes, so it was no, Supergirl. Supergirl was Supergirl was the thousand and one years later. Mm-hmm. This oh, was okay. the one right before it, where you had a bunch of you know since everybody's a member of the Legion, there were like some people camped out outside headquarters. Outside the headquarters or the demolished right, headquarters okay. as it was then. Right, and they were yeah. uh, telling uh, campfire stories. What are you saying? Are you saying a large scale DC editorial crossover event has? has caused disruption in the Legion of Superheroes uh, publishing schedule. Jim. Oh, I can't believe that. Unfathomable. Jim. That's what you say. <laughs> and so that was uh, 2006. And then 960 years from now, uh, February 24th, 2981, Sunboy celebrates his birthday and clashes with Dr. Regulus. Again. Like, like you do. <laughs> Like yeah, you do. Yeah. Happy birthday. It's an it's an anniversary. You can read that in Superboy 191 or listen to the subs talk about it in episode 248. 
And that is this week in Legion history. Two things Dirk's good at: being a jerk and fighting Doctor Regulus. Yeah. <laughs> and, he's Pretty just, much, yeah. and he's just Pretty about much. out of Doctor Regulus. He's, fights. he's about out of Doctor Regulus. It's <laughs> true. It's really true. All right. Comments as always are welcome at Legion of Substitute. Hey, hey, oh, hey! French, what? what are you doing? What? I have oh, a, I have a rant. You've got a rant. I oh, petitioned the the club for a rant today. Oh man, that's right. Did I not file the product for paperwork? The <laughs> Let me check. What Let me check here? the. Uh... It's it's on it's on file in uh, in the Andromeda system. Oh sweet! <laughs> Let's hear Along it. With the... So, you you know I've been watching WandaVision. I'm not going to spoil anything because this this is about a trope. This is not about the show. Um, there was a reveal. Uh, dun dun dun! Kind of reveal, yeah. you yeah. know, the, a cliffhanger reveal that we as comic fans have read <laughs> since we first picked up a book, right? You, you, you turn the page and it's you and, and you don't know who it is, right? It can't or, be. or it's you <laughs> and it's that person or famously, you know, it's dark side in the great darkness saga. That's, that's the biggest one I can think of like this. That was like, you put the villain on the cover, but, the whole story is kind of a mystery leading up to the reveal of the villain. Yeah. Oi! So I was looking at some uh, YouTubes and someone who uh, said they're a comic book fan. They read comics. And I think they're about 20 years younger than you and I, Paul. Oh. And Mike. So, so they're, they're younger than us, but they've also had the access to the interwebs like we did not have. So when we're reading our comics in the back of the car, on the way to wherever we're going, our parents are dragging us this week. In the way, way back, yeah. In the way, way back, without the internets, and we we have no idea, <laughs> and we see, we turn the we turn the page, and it's oh, project, <sighs> you know. We're used to these reveals, and we're used to having to go, hmm. Let's see what who's who says about this, or let's see what Ohatmu reveals. Yes. Yeah. Or for the other side of the as, of as the, the case <laughs> may be, yes. As we all must worship Ohatmu. <laughs> so, for those of you who don't know, Ohatmu yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, what the heck is Ohatmu? The official handbook of the Marvel Universe. Oh, oh, right. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Ohatmu, because <laughs> that is a lot to say. So when someone complains that a character comes out of nowhere, but we were supposed to know who they were the whole time, out of nowhere. I'm like, nowhere. Have, you, have you been paying attention? Have mm. you been looking? This recurring you, title character? Have, have you even put all these conventions together at all in your years of reading comic books to go, you know what? Maybe there's something to this. Just maybe things don't seem like what they are. Maybe this reveal has been earned from the moment the character stepped on screen. Because that's what it was. Yes. And I don't know if y'all have have seen the oh, show yeah. yeah okay so you know what i'm talking about i know what you mean but when we have someone who is a self-professed comic book fan who says i don't think they earned that reveal because we don't know anything about character x i'm like Ugh. really it's really? almost like it's episode seven of nine yeah really <laughs> wait i'm like that's like saying jerry ryan's okay. in it yeah jerry ryan's in it <laughs> It's a Star Trek crossover, and they just revealed it. What? Crap. I know. <laughs> it just makes me go, 
you know, when I got my back issues for Superboy and Legion of Superheroes, I had no idea who the Dark Man was. Yeah. None. None whatsoever. I had to I, wait for who to come out to go, oh, they didn't have a Dark Man entry. He must not be that important. It was Dark Destroyer and Dark Opal, not Dark Man. Hmm. Yes. Okay. So then you have to read the Therok entry. To get the reference to the Dark Man, so it required it required detective work. It required yeah. reading your comics. I, I, I don't know. I, I, think, I, I think this goes I, deeper though, because well, that's what I'm saying. I'm, yeah. uh, that's why it's not about the show per se. It's about this right. whole concept of if if you have a character who's being set up as a surprise reveal, right? right. You don't want to telegraph too much, right? Because that's part of the joy of the story. Yeah. And to feel like that's being... Everybody's used to spoiler culture. They're <laughs> used to knowing everything before it happens. And and this time... Yeah, people they, don't want to watch a thing. They just want to know what's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. And, and it, yep. I am so grateful for WandaVision teaching people to have to wait a week. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Oh, my God. I, and I was, I was first, I was like, why did they... What? Oh, oh, what's oh, happening? What? what happened? Someone's TV's on. What the hell? That was weird. Um, I was so... Who is that? My Michael, I think it's you. Michael? Michael? It's supposed to be muted. It's not. It isn't. <laughs> not at all. Decidedly unmuted. So, remember in Avengers when you had Del Rusk? I'm not going to tell you who Del Rusk is, but Del Rusk was a character who, who trotted around for a good, what, year or two before they revealed who Del Rusk was. And Del Rusk was a character who has a very long history in Marvel Comics. And if you were paying attention, you could figure it out before the reveal. Have but you figured it out? Do you know who it is? It's like, this is nothing compared to reading DC Challenge. Yeah, I mean, okay? I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I thought it was super obvious because the just based on character name. Well, so I mean, it's that's, just that's, that's a hint, right? But that's the thing is like it's it's like people are acting like it came out of nowhere, yeah. Like it like it came out of a void when there's plenty of context if you just Google the name and and whether you know the, the knowing the name or not or not isn't there's plenty of that in the story. But but it isn't important. It isn't. And never mind. Never mind. It, it is, the movies it is knowing. It is knowing that there is something going on with with character X. particular character. Yeah. With person X. Yeah. So Something's knowing up. that knowing Something's that something up. is up, and mm -hmm. so when when it is revealed that person X is not who they uh, who we thought they were, like why, that, a, that a villain would not be truthful. Shocking. What? Well, yeah. It? Yeah. No, I, I don't get that. <laughs> it's I like, have you that. ever heard of the unreliable narrator trope? Exactly. Have you had yep. have seen Fight Club? I know, right? Wait, Have you I seen mean, Fight Club? You're not, not spoiling Fight Club, are you? No, I'm not going to spoil Fight Club. I'm just saying that there are, there are stories out there in which narrators are unreliable, and what they tell you is not true. Any Agatha Christie novel. Yeah. You're going to have unreliable characters because they are, they are actively lying to you. That's kind of what they do. And like, so to say that the writers didn't earn that reveal... I, I take issues with that because I'm like, that's that's a comic book trope from way on back. Yeah. Thank there's you very that, much. There, there's actually a bigger, more unhealthy thing going on, too. It's that it's part of spoiler culture. 
It's like all the news sites are going, oh, but this means this, this means this, this means this. And they're like, there's all these like wild speculation about what all this means. Are they X-Men coming or are mutants a thing? Or where's, where's Reed Richards? And when that stuff doesn't happen, they get it's to- like that's where the disappointment comes from. Mm-hmm. Because they, they had a source that was so right about everything. Yeah, like some of, some of the sources are right about stuff, but that's because they are putting the pieces together behind the scenes. But they don't have inside information, right? I mean, because everybody who has inside information signed an NDA. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that Disney will sue them into infinity, and the, like and Disney those <laughs> those NDAs are for real. They had yeah. um, Cat um, Dennings was on a on a, a, a recent podcast, and um, they were asking oh. her about like, the, I can say nothing. <laughs> they were asking her about the show and they're like, "Oh, we're not going to ask you about plot things, but so when you guys were were filming these episodes and she's like, "Actually, one of the things we're not allowed to talk about is when we filmed stuff." Wow. <laughs> and it's like, "Wow." Wow. So, yeah. I, I saw an interview with uh um the Monica Rambo character, I forget her name, Tiana. Yeah. I forget her last name. I'm sorry. Great actress. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. She's impressed yeah. me so much, but <laughs> she was on a show and the, the interviewer asked her a question that was a very hypothetical. And she's like, I can't answer that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, why do you want people to reveal this stuff to you when you're when, the joy of it is watching it in the show? Yeah. Yeah. But they want to scoop. Yeah. And it's, it's like, like, no, no, no. Stop it. Stop it. It's like, the, it's, it's like the, the show. Stop it. It's Stop like the, it. <laughs> it's like the people who were complaining about the first three episodes, mm-hmm. calling them as unnecessary. Why did we have to watch this? Totally necessary. No plot. Totally necessary. And you because go, they're, show me, the, show us the end. We want to know the end. What's the end? Show us the end. Tell us the end. Give, give us me the a, candy. Give, me, give me a bullet pointed list on a piece of paper. That's all I need. Yeah, no. it's like Cra- crazy. It's like no one understands like well, narrative storytelling. Dropping an entire season at one time, right? right? Yeah, There's that's that. true. Never had that. Oh my god, I've got to wait a week. I've got to wait a week. I mean, try waiting thirty days for your next issue of a comic. Why is this nine episode TV series not just a two hour movie? Because you need nine episodes to, to do tell the story. To, to to tell the story and set up the themes. It's called theming. Well, and also just the, this idea of um, and world building on top of that, and and of the waiting. The waiting is is part of it. You know, it is yep. the it is the you know the like. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see well, what happens next. You can tell the, you can you can you can tell some of these people don't read comics because that's yeah. that totally. is the entire reason. People, but, well, but I, even that I to, read comic books is to get that cliffhanger and spend that month going, yeah. "What the heck is going to happen but next?" Even, but even <laughs> then, they're used to they're used to reading trades now, for, uh, you yeah. know, to a, to a large degree. So you know, they're just not used to what is the word for it, Darren? Anticipation. So it's just a thing that rubbed me the wrong way to hear that someone, anyone, would out there think that the writing team. Who in my who in my mind and no, I'm not being paid by Disney or Marvel to say this. Um, didn't earn the reveal that happened because that reveal was completely earned. Totally. I mean, there, there's no way you can say, looking back on it, that that reveal 
was not as well done as some of the other famous reveals in comics that we know about. And you know it what? was right out of a comic book. It wasn't like yeah. plotted how, from a comic book. How many minutes? Like, how many minutes ago was that reveal earned? What do you mean? I'm, I'm, it's making an obtuse Watchmen reference. Oh. Didn't quite land. Ah, uh, uh, yes, yes. I need to. I need to workshop that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but I'll put it this way: Jan knows nothing about any of these characters. Um, in fact, even the the parts that she has seen about them, um, you know, she's already forgotten. And um, oh. so every now and th- now and then, it's like, okay, so you know, uh, Wanda, you know, she was. Uh, in, you know, it was in Ultra, Age of Ultron and et cetera, et cetera, you know, and, you know, in Infinity War, he gets the uh, the, the gem pulled out of his forehead. So he's out and, and she's like, Twice. oh, right. OK, what? I will say the big weakness the show has is that you can't really watch it in a vacuum. Unlike, say, The Mandalorian, which you totally can. Well, it's too tight. It's too tight in to like events. Yeah, but I think they're giving you all the exposition you need though. Yeah. Yeah, they and and uh, they yes, uh, absolutely. They've they've said all of it. Um That's true. They have said yeah. all of it. You're and, and yeah. then showed some of it. And yeah. and uh and if not, at the end of every episode it says, "Hey, maybe you want to watch this." <laughs> Yeah, uh, you Age know, of Ultron. Yeah, it's, oh, that's it's right. Every, I every... saw a tweet the other day that said Disney, no one wants to watch Age of Ultron. <laughs> I think that was mad. <laughs> that. Was that mad? Oh my god! Age of Ultron <laughs> is the best of the MCU movies, and I do not apologize Ooh. for that statement. Ooh, that's a that's a strong statement, sir. That is a strong yeah. statement. We do not have the time for, in this episode to unpack I that. No, right. <laughs> <laughs> We're just gonna skate on, on by that on on either side of the fence on on it, um, but um, no. So so Jan knows nothing about any of these characters, and she knows yeah. nothing about what the actual reveal was. But at that moment, she's like, "I knew there was something going on there." Yeah, and that's so earned. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because totally they've been uh, they've been you know dropping uh, dropping that. Every literally every episode. Every episode, there's been something dropped about it. Yeah. Every episode, and including an episode where the character did not appear per se. Right. And and their absence was the suspicious thing. Yeah. Right. So it's like, where what's going on with this? Where where is this person? What this is the only time they've not shown up in a in a whole show. What's what's going on? And then we found out in the reveal what happened that episode and what they were up to. And it's like, Oh, Oh, Oh. And then of course you go back and you see all the symbolism and it's like, it was right there in front of your face the entire time. How do you hide something? Put it in plain sight. Absolutely. That's how you do it. And if you're mad about it, you you didn't catch on to it, then. Well, actually good job because that's a, you got surprised. I mean, that was the intended yeah, effect. <laughs> totally. And it, it just irked me that some people were like, well, this is this is a horrible misstep because this person was not that. It's like, um, that's called a being a villain. Yeah. I, I'd suggest you reading re, you read the Judas contract, please, and thank yeah. you. Wait, wait. Did something happen in that? Uh, something did happen in that. <laughs> something, something involving some kind of Judas, I some assume. Some kind of a Judas occurred. Oh I my. mean, if, if you want to go back to this, hey, how about reading the Bible? There's a guy named Judas <laughs> where this trope 
originates from. Wait. <laughs> was he in the Teen Titans? They named the guy who <laughs> betrayed Judas. That's really on the nose. They should fire uh, yeah, that author. It was. It was on. They should fire that author, shouldn't they? <laughs> oh well. <laughs> oh, my. oh well. You know, there's that. <laughs> All right. Well. Yeah, I just had to get that off my chest. Understood. Understood. We draw to to an end of uh, of one division cast. Take a drink. Take a drink, yeah. please. Maybe and, we'll do spoilers you don't want to have the tea, weeks. though, dear. You don't want to have the tea. Amen. All right. So, comments are welcome at Legion of Substitute Podcasters at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought of the reveal. Um, and, uh, and also, you know, the Legion issue we did this episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can join the conversation on our Facebook page, which can be found at facebook.legionofsubstitutepodcasters.com. Uh, we are on the Twitter. We are LOSP Podcast. And in addition to all those things, you can head over to our website, legionofsubstitutepodcasters.com, where you can leave a comment on this or any episode. And with that, we wake, make our way back into the time bubble, and we're going to see... We're going to see if they really did earn this reveal, Darren. We're going to see you all next week. And Inferno's a jerk. <laughs> <laughs>